0: Welcome to the inaugural podcast for Agape Always. I am your host and commentator, Jim Jenkins, and I'm blessed and excited to be coming to you in this venue. It's a kind of a step out for me, but we'll see what the Lord has. I feel like he's directed me in this, and I'm going to go with it. A little bit about myself, my background. I'm married to my best friend, Miriam, and have been for just over 40 years, she's a British citizen and we met over here. But we were married over there, married in England. Her dad, who's a vicar for the Church of England, or was, uh, A.P. Nichols is the one who married us. Her mother, Mary, uh, played the organ for us. Her older brother, Philip, was my best man And her oldest brother, Andrew, is the one who marched her down the aisle since dad was preoccupied with the service. So it was a kind of a family affair. uh, I don't know, 50 to 75 guests. Uh, I was the only American there. We have two adult children and four grandkids and all live within three miles of each other. We're blessed by that. This May the 30th, coming up, will mark my 48 year anniversary of walking with Jesus. Never had any regrets for that. I'm thankful to him for everything that he has taken me through over these last 48 years. It's really amazing when you live a life for the Lord. I was introduced to the Lord by a book called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. It's a book on Bible prophecy and it really caught my attention. May the 30th happened to be Memorial Weekend that year. And I went with a couple of friends of mine and we went to Kernville and camped out for the long weekend. But they were kind of ticked at me because I wouldn't come out of the tent. All I wanted to do was read that book. And eventually it brought me to the Lord. I found that I really love studying end times, especially in light of today's events, and I'm hoping that some of the things that I've seen and learned, I can share with you, and it might help you navigate these days yourself. Uh, If you want to catch more of my testimony, you can go to my Facebook page and look around the date 5-8, and you'll find a video there. Now, the last couple of years, I have been just kind of kicking back and enjoying my retirement and my grandkids, but it's also been a time where I've probably been the least active in ministry that I have ever been. And I kind of was puzzled by that because the Lord's always had me involved in something. I mean, I I did have one I do have one ministry that I'm involved in besides this now. I play bass at a church uh, for the worship band, and that's a blessing. But other than that, I, I really haven't had anything that I've been directly involved with. And so during that time I've been praying, Lord, if you have something else for me, I'm gonna wait. I'm not gonna go out seeking it because I I've never had to. In my 48 years, I've never had to seek out a ministry to get involved with. They've just always been there. The Lord's always brought them along. He's always provided in that area. So these last couple of years have been a little bit different. But I've learned over the years that you just sometimes have to patiently wait for God to call you or open a door. And... It's kind of like you know being on the bench as a player. That's not your favorite spot. You'd rather be out there playing. But sometimes you have to obey what the coach says and sit down and suck it up. And the only thing is that I found is sometimes when you're sitting on the bench, you kind of feel like you're not in the game. And I have always been in the game and really have been longing to get it back in the game and I guess thanks to the coronavirus, it's kind of spurred me to, to get involved in something, which is this. And I'm hoping in the coming podcast I can share things that I've seen in the Word and how they relate to Bible prophecy and, and how uh, all this stuff is really just part of His plan for our lives. Speaking of the coronavirus, uh, boy, that really changed everything this year. I mean, we, we started off pretty good, and then boom, this thing hit. And before you know it, our, our, our whole way of life has changed, and things are a lot different. Now, with this change, I really felt led to to start sharing these things that God has been showing me, and sharing some of the things that I've seen in the Word and and believe and hold to regarding Bible prophecy and, and end time events things that I've seen, I've read, I've heard. I want to share those with you as we navigate this new world that we find ourselves in together and uh, hopefully you'll get a few tidbits but if not that's fine too. Now I think we've all heard of the Antichrist in one way or another. And, you know, you've probably maybe wondered the question, is he somehow involved in this pandemic? I believe that he very well could be involved in this pandemic. But there's one thing you have to remember when we're talking about the Antichrist, that he will be unknown. He'll basically be unknown, unrecognized, until he becomes known. And when the that occurs at the abomination of desolation in the middle of the five, final seven-year period, uh, he will go into the temple, declare himself as God, and demanded, demand to be worshipped as God. Then there's no more doubt. Then we're going to know for sure that is the Antichrist. I hope that uh, when that day comes, we find ourselves on the right side, because this is one you don't want to miss. Now, I think that we all kind of recognize or know from God's Word is that when the Antichrist does come on the scene, he's going to be governing a one world government. He will have control over the entire planet. Now, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, or if you follow it or not, but there is a very powerful globalist entity that is working hard to make this one world government happen. Now, they're splintered into a lot of different groups, and... You know, you've probably heard of some of them. I'll just throw them out there for you. How viable they are, how much they're involved, I, you know, I can't say. I can't even tell you for sure that uh, they're legitimate. But nevertheless, their names keep coming up. Names like the Illuminati, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderbergers, the Rockefellers. The Rothschilds, these names have one very basic common element and that is they all desire to see a one world government and they're all working towards that end. They're actively trying to establish a one world government because in their minds and hearts if they can do that the world would be a better place. And they actually believe in their hearts and minds that they're doing this for themselves and for the good of the planet. But there's another group who is even deeper in the dark behind the scenes that maybe they're not aware of. And that is that there's a group of Satanists who know who the one world government is really for. And when he arrives on the scene, he will be their Messiah. And since he's going to be demanding to be worshipped as God anyhow, they'll recognize him as their God. Now, these things are not so much speculation because they're spoken about in God's word. And in coming episodes, I hope to be talking about some of that. There's an awful lot that's still hidden and still, that we're unaware of, but the plans nevertheless are there. And those plans are being played out in more ways than just this pandemic. There's lots and lots of things going on because these people have been working at this for decades and decades. In fact, maybe two or three centuries, at least two. And they're determined to make this happen. So I want to, in this inaugural episode, just speak a word out that has been very heavy on my heart that I need to share. Right now, it's time for believers to wake up and start fighting the spiritual battles with God's word. This is not a battle of flesh and blood. It's not a battle of minds. It's not a battle of wits. Not even a battle of politics. It's a spiritual battle. It's good versus evil. And it's a battle that we cannot afford to lose. We need to win this one. Or at least do our part. You know, sometimes when it seems like we have failed and let God down. Those are the times when he shows us that, no, it was a victory the whole time because you did exactly what I wanted you to do. And that was obedience. But in this day and in this time that we live right now, we need to be praying fervently and continuously for discernment. Discernment of the spirits. Discernment of the truth. People, we really, really are going to be needing that. Lest we find ourselves walking into situations we don't want to be in. If if we don't have God's spirit leading us and guiding us and directing us, We could be putting our lives in jeopardy, even though they're already in jeopardy, as well as our families. And, you know, I don't think any of us really want to do that. So please, pray, pray, pray. I've gotten to the point where I'm asking God to grant me discernment every single day. Because I believe it's that important. A sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, to his leading, to his warnings. We need it today in this day and age. I want to share with you just a little bit from Matthew 24, which is known as the Olivet Discourse. And in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and they're walking around. And in verse 1, it says, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us When will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now just think about that for a moment. Jesus has just given them a powerful prophecy that they're finding hard to believe that the temple is going to be destroyed. And they're understanding what he's saying, not only concerning the temple, but concerning His return. He hadn't even left yet. He was still right there. But somehow they were able to understand that. That was the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they're asking him, when are these things going to happen? And how are we going to recognize it? And what's going to be the sign of your coming? The Jewish people were very into having signs to validate things. And they know that a sign would precede his second coming as proof to them of, of his validity. But I want you to think for a moment, what, what exactly are they asking him? And, and to put it in simpler terms, it's kind of like this. God, when are you coming back to earth? And how are we going to recognize it? You know, other than the question Nicodemus asks, what must I do to be saved? I, I can't think of a more important question in the Bible. Lord, when are you coming back and how are we going to recognize it? That's just a heavy, heavy question. Now, considering the magnitude of that question, I want you to consider well what is said next. Because of all the things that Jesus could respond with in answering that question, this is what he responds with first. And Jesus answered them and said, take heed that no one deceives you. Wow, take heed that no one deceives you. That's going to be one of the most prevalent things going on prior to his return, the deception. He goes on to repeat, about deceit two more times in Matthew 24. In verse 11 and verse 24, you can look those up and see. But there's going to be a lot of deception going on. And that's why we need discernment. So we can discern in our hearts and in our spirits, is this of the Lord or is this of the enemy? It's gonna be so vitally critical to our walk, take heed that no one deceive you and no one means no one, not our pastors or our teachers or our friends, our relatives or even ourselves you know that that's the one deception that scares me more than any others is when i when i'm so deceived that i i'm deceiving myself because i'm i'm following something or believing something that is not completely the truth wow I, I, that's my greatest fear and that's why we need discernment and so pray diligently for more discernment Jesus goes on, like I said, in two other times to, to just highlight this and, and don't ever forget it that, yeah, the deception is out there, you know, and, and we don't know who is really who until we have it, until the Lord can really speak that to our hearts. Now, one thing I want to just point out in verse 5 here, He says, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So there's going to be imposters, lots of imposters. And you know, the funny thing is, I looked at the word Christ here, and it means anointed. That's one of the meanings, one of the definitions of Christ, anointed. Hmm. Because I've heard people say before, I have the anointing I am anointed I have my own anointing and I you know I'd never really thought about what they're saying basically they're proclaiming I'm Christ so let's let's be aware of that one right off the bat there is just so much deception going on like I said, And sadly enough, and this is another thing we have to really be diligent about, is deception from the pulpit. Well, I wish I didn't have to say that, but but I do. And, you know, I want you to understand that the deception that I'm talking about from the pulpit, I want to believe and hopefully is the case that it's just because... They're deceived themselves. They got some bad information and they're just passing it on. And they're not applying the principle that I'm going to talk about in just a moment for us to apply. I hate to think of the idea that there is intentional deceit and deception going on from the pulpit. But I think we've all seen enough televangelists to know that that's not true. There is deception going on in the pulpit. You know, one of the groups I mentioned here was Council of Foreign Relations. And what's interesting, and you can do this search if you want, you can bring up the Council of Foreign Relations members, type it into Google and see, and the list will come up and you start going through the names. One name that hit me like a ton of bricks, because I'm wondering why in the world is he on this list? It was Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church. And then I remembered that the enemy intends to infiltrate every single sector of life we can think about. Because then he can deceive us more. I can't explain why he's there. Maybe he can explain it. If it's the truth, maybe he doesn't know. I don't know. Maybe he thinks he's doing something else. But but that's an organization that is actively after a one world government. Now, we have one very, very critical tool that we must be applying in this day and age. And it's found in Acts 1711, and I want you to look it up, highlight it, under underline it, write it down, do whatever you have to take, but not only memorize this verse, but learn how to apply it. Because in this verse, Paul is talking to a group of people that he commends, a group called the Bereans. And he commends the Bereans as being more noble than the the Thessalonians, because they would receive the word with all readiness, yeah. They would receive it but then he says they would go and search the scriptures daily to make sure those things are true and that's exactly what we need to be doing no matter what we hear from the pulpit we need to verify it in our hearts and on the pages of god's word because if it if it's not there then we should not believe it. We should not hang on to it. And sadly enough, I think there's too many people nowadays because of the busy schedules. Of course, now there's a little break from that. They've neglected to apply the spiritual principle. Rather, they feel so safe and secure in their doctrines and, and what they believe because it's all coming from their pastors. Their pastors are great godly men that they respect. And so when they say something, that's it. That's what I believe. And it comes down to almost all of their doctrine is coming from the pastors and from the pulpit rather than from God's word. If they say something, people are believing it without checking it for themselves. I remember this happened to me once and... I was listening to a message by my pastor and uh, he said something that I just, Whoa, what, how does that relate to what he's talking about? So I made a mark of it. And, and after the sermon, I went up and I, I I explained it to him. I said, you know, you were talking about this and, and you brought up this verse and here it is. And I've read it. Can you tell me how this fits into your message? Because I didn't understand it. He said, sure. So he looked at the verse And his eyes kind of got big and he says, whoa, you're right, that doesn't go. And then he said, oh, I, I know what I did. I wrote down the wrong verse. That was from another part. And right then and there, I was given a crystal clear picture of how that deception sometimes works. He was definitely honest about it. You know, he wasn't intentionally trying to mislead anyone but he said something that he hadn't completely checked out yet. And boy, that, that's one of the reasons why teachers have a greater condemnation, you know, for what we do. And that that just was such an eye opener for me. But I wanna issue this warning. If you're getting your doctrine solely from the pulpit, then you better understand that you are wide open to deception. And it may not be intentional. It may be, may not be. Hopefully it's not, but we just don't know. So that's the main part of what I wanted to get out this evening and and let you know, apply Acts 1711. And as you listen to my podcast, apply Acts 1711. I'm only human. And no matter what I say is, As diligently and as honestly as I might believe it it might be wrong and if you catch it nail me on it don't let me get away with it please because I'm looking for truth I want truth more than anything else I want the truth I want to know what the truth is so if I say something wrong and you you see it in God's Word is differently let me know we might disagree on the meanings But that's fine, you've done your part, I've done mine. You know, we can work it out together in the Lord. Now, in closing here, I just wanna, just let you know a couple of the episodes I've already kind of marked in my mind that I'd like to cover here. I'd like to talk about the Olivet Discourse, all of Matthew 24, all the way through. I'd like to do an exposition of that. Uh, I'd like to do a study or a teaching here comparing Matthew 24 with the book of Revelation and how it lines up and how it matches. It's really incredible. I'd like to talk about Daniel 9 where we get the prophecy of the 70 weeks and this last week that is rapidly approaching if we're not already in it. I'd also like to talk about the great tribulation and the rapture and their relationship to one another and their timing, if you will. And I'd also like to bring you an entire unfolding of the end times timeline that I have learned and just share it with you and see what you think. Because the bottom line is, we want the truth. Make that your your heart's desire. God, show me your truth. Grant me the discernment to know these things, whether they're true or not. Quicken it in my heart and don't let me get away with it. So basically that's it for this evening. Thank you for joining me. I pray that you would pass this on if it speaks to you. uh, Make comments, bring it back to me. You know, if you have some questions or anything like that, I'll help you out as much as I can, I'll answer as many as I can. But let's just together go find the truth. So until the next time, agape always, we'll see you then, thank you.